This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. More important, the employer he works for where he does those Grand Canyon tours said, you've got to work today. And he said, yes, sir, because it means, you know, good money for him. So he is not on this episode. So we called in our old friend Micah Hanks to be our guest co-host. Micah, how have you been? I have been wonderful, and it's uh, it's always a pleasure. I remember coming on your show years ago as a guest, but to think that I get to fill the very formidable shoes of Mr. O'Brien from time to time and just catch up with you, it's wonderful. Now, I don't know that the listeners will appreciate that as much as you and I do, but it, <laughs> it's good to be here nonetheless. Well, you know, we're glad to have you in either case. You know, just because we needed somebody to fill the time, but we had to have somebody who does it, has the chops to get in here without a lot of preparation or advance warning and come up to speed. Speaking of coming up to speed, don't know if you've listened to the recent episodes, but we get in trouble on the Paracast, Chris and I, when we mention politics. Oh, you too, huh? <laughs> oh, it happens to you. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, tell us some war stories here, and I'll give you a few of ours. Well, you know, I do a, a decidedly, unapologetically uh, centrist podcast every week called Middle Theory. And the reason I do that is because on my primary podcast, The Graylian Report, which I've been doing, gosh, for five or six, maybe seven years now, if I ever would bring up politics. We did a whole episode, for instance, back when the Benghazi scandal came out. And uh, I thought that this would be an interesting way to infuse a little news and current events and maybe some discussion of conspiracy into a show that already, in the introduction, says where conspiracy theory becomes conspiracy fact. But the listenership is quick to do one of two things. We love that and want to hear more of it. Or the other 50% who say we never want to hear politics again are listening to a show that deals with supernatural and unexplained and strange topics. This is something that is a repast for us, a break from the 24-hour news cycles and the spin cycles <laughs> that are going on out there. So we don't want to hear that. And so I, I can sympathize with you guys when you say that, you know, you're castigated for discussing those things. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. You're going to be castigated no matter what. And so I figured I'll at least move those subjects to a different format altogether. And that's why I do middle theory. But even on middle theory, trying to be centrist and, and approaching the news without putting a heavy bias on it, I still will get it from both sides. People will say, well, Micah, you've got a leftist agenda. I get that an awful lot. That's part of the problem here, especially on the more conservative shows. Anyone who is somewhat to the left, even if they're centrist or right of center, becomes a flaming liberal. All Democrats have to be flaming liberals. They can't just be people who have moderate views on different subjects, and some are more left, some are more right. I mean, that's what's so ridiculous about how that works. But the more important thing is when it comes to the paranormal world, I don't think you can separate politics because look at all the people who are asking for UFO disclosure. Who's going to disclose UFOs? Governments. 
who runs the government? Well, of course, the politicians. So suddenly you are in the political realm. Or, for example, when Secretary Clinton, running for president, promises to look into the UFO matter. Or her chairman of her campaign committee, John Podesta, who's been doing it for 20 years, he's been interested in UFOs and made no bones about it. When they start talking UFOs, these are politicians talking UFOs. If you ever read a book by Major Donald Kehoe, the pioneer in the UFO field, it was very, very much about politics, about the silence group, about the forces within the government who might be keeping the UFO secret. How do you leave politics out of it anyway? Well, I don't really think that you can. Coming back to what you said earlier about you express a particular position on an issue and suddenly this is something that is touted as being either a liberal or a conservative issue and you're suddenly branded as being of that particular ideology and usually to the extreme, whereas really, I know in my case this is true, I may just hold a particular uh, view about a social issue or an economic issue that happens to fall into the general ideology of liberal or conservative in America today. But the polarization is where the problem is. Now, coming to Kehoe and the history of politics involved with the UFO subject, absolutely, the two are inseparable. And that's the modern exopolitical movement or the disclosure movement that we see. Again, you know, I am very careful, Gene, about giving myself to the idea that aliens from space are what we're dealing with here. I think that there are a lot of varieties of potentials. But Kehoe, keep in mind, he wrote that book. I have that on my shelf over here, Aliens from Space. He was very much of the mind that this phenomena could not be explained in any other way. We had to be dealing with something that was in likelihood extraterrestrial. And yes, that there was or it needed to be a political movement behind acquisition of that data from whoever may be uh, withholding from the public the real information about what we're dealing with. So reading his stuff years after the fact is not only very interesting, but it does put in perspective the necessary understanding of how politics fits into the UFO subject and vice versa, which, again, like you're discussing with Clinton and Podesta, yeah, we see it very much in the 2016 election. I'm just surprised here that Trump isn't tweeting back and forth. He's talking about crooked Hillary, lock her up. How about spaced out Hillary because she wants to look into UFOs. I'm surprised he hasn't latched on to that. What it is interesting that people don't seem to attack her very much over what, again, the scientific establishment would consider an extremely silly position to hold. That There's nothing to see here. Therefore, why would you investigate and try to call for disclosure of government UFO files? She said during her uh, DNC speech, her acceptance speech the other night, quote, I believe in science. And then she kind of giggled. And, of course, people in the scientific establishment gave her some trouble over that because they said, well, science isn't about belief, Hillary. Look, come on. I understand what she was trying to say. Because we have a political party that makes up science. They don't accept science. I mean, it's one thing to disagree with scientific findings, especially if you know what you're talking about. Yeah. But not to take accepted science and just make up things. Really, in fairness, would say I see a little of it on both sides of the political spectrum. I think that coming to UFOs, that that can be something that can be discussed both politically and scientifically. And so that's what's interesting about Clinton's advocacy of UFO disclosure is that she is being touted right now as the science candidate, and yet the scientific establishment seems to be saying very little about or expressing very little concern about her interest in UFOs. So maybe the question here is, does she bring, do people like she and Podesta bring an air of credibility to the scientific discussion and the political discussion of the UFO subject. Now, take it, take that for what it is. It's not an endorsement. I'm just saying she very well may be able to do that. 
But And I do find that interesting. Again, this is something that you don't hear an awful lot about, and I think you're right to point that out. So why is she not attacked by Trump or whoever else for holding that position? That's interesting. It may be that Trump is focusing on a narrow area of attack, and this is kind of out of his radar. He doesn't see this because it's not something he concentrates into. He'll talk about crooked Hillary, about the email. He'll talk about her being the person who started ISIS. That's one of recent charges he's made. But UFOs is something so far beyond his attention. He hasn't ever focused on it. It has nothing to do with his experience. And so, therefore, it is to him alien. Yes, I suppose so. Bernie Sanders earlier in the uh, primaries had been asked about his interest in UFOs, and he essentially put that subject down and said, I I don't have any interest in that. That's not going to be a fundamental tenet of my campaign. And when we go back to 2008, Barack Obama had expressed a similar sentiment during one of the debates that was televised. He was asked, essentially, what do you think about alien life? And he says, look, I don't know if there's life out there, but I do know life exists here on Earth. And as president, I'm going to address that first. So in terms of the hierarchy of concerns, I realize politicians, left or right, are not going to be typically of a mind to say that UFOs are the fundamental tenet of my campaign. But Gene, who is that guy? And uh, um, Bassagio. Yeah, uh, yeah, Andrew Bassagio, I think. He's talking about having been one of these time travelers. He wants UFO disclosure and all this. You know who I'm talking about? I do. We had thought from time to time to bring him on the show. But it would be something that would end up being a bloodbath. And I'll give you an example of that. We'll take it into the next segment when we bring our listeners on. And that is, we had Grant Cameron on. And... I got into it with him for a number of reasons. We're going to have a listener roundtable. Michael Hanks is our guest co-host. We'll have Sue, and we'll have Ufology. And they'll be joining us in just a moment. So with Gene and Micah, you're in... The Paracast. The award-winning Graphic Converter 10. The universal genius for photo editing apps on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for the Swiss Army Knife app. It gives you all the features that you expect. And most important, it's easy to use. You can get it for just $39.95 from www.lemkesoft.com. That's www.lemkesoft.com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. 
Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, we finally made it. I have to tell you that Skype was doing one of its things. And maybe because Microsoft has taken Skype and instead of having it peer-to-peer where each computer originating a Skype contact would be part of the network, kind of like in the old days when you had Napster and you downloaded the songs and everything. Instead, they moved everything up in the cloud to this amorphous network. And now things are crazy, but we have Micah Hanks as our guest co-host. Chris is on special assignment. We have two listeners joining us, Sue and Randall, sometimes known as Ufology. Randall, we finally made it with you. We got you on. Sure is great to be back, Gene. Great to have you. We were talking about a subject, and I'd like to get your input, both of you here. And that is Sue and Randall. The big issue that really we get in trouble with on the Paracast is whenever we talk about politics, even if it's politics as related to the paranormal. Because as soon as you talk about UFO disclosure, 
you're dealing with politicians. As soon as you find a politician who promises to get to the bottom of it, like a certain former Secretary of State Clinton, you have politics. As soon as you read a book from Major Donald Kehoe, and even the book by the late Captain Rupelt, politics gets into it. So what do we do, Randall? Well, that's okay, Sue. You started off. That's fine. I think there's a perfectly valid entrance for talking about politics with regard to UFOs when it comes to disclosure, because you've kind of got two competing lenses um, aimed at the same topic. There's the whole UFO angle on the matter, and then you have to take into account the way the world of real politics works and, and kind of triangulate the two and see how well they fit over one another. That's my first impression. That kind of discussion, I think, is really interesting and fruitful. Uh, Randall, your thoughts? Actually, I agree with you completely. I, I think it's part of the way that politics is structured. You can follow all of the candidates around, and and you know that wherever they go, they've got people who are looking at the demographics and what people think. And so when they're in a place where people want to hear a certain thing, they say what those people want to hear. And, of course, that's why you get all of the contradictions, because in one place, some people are going to think something different, and in another place, they'll think something different again. So when they're around where people want to know about UFOs, they're going to tell them what they want to hear. And then when they get into office, like everything else, they just do what they want to do. Or they do what the person who contributed $100 million to their campaign wants them to do. And there's no UFO lobby of that size. If Stephen Bassett could raise $100 million for a political action committee to put money into the particular candidate that he prefers, then I assure you the UFO lobby would get attention. Well, that kind of raises a question for me with all the increase in the private space program stuff going on. Is that going to mean that there are going to be more reports of sightings coming from those avenues, or would they not reach the public because they're from privately funded ventures? You know what I mean? They have no obligation to tell anybody anything. They're private. But they might want to talk about it anyway. We've already had that happening with several companies, but no UFOs yet. You know, one thing I'm reminded of, guys, is uh, you know, Robert Bigelow, and of course, Bigelow Aerospace. He is one of these private companies, and before that, he, of course, had the National Institute for Discovery Science, and they sometimes did re- uh, reveal some of their findings in public uh, reports. But then again, there's also the other side of that coin in which Bigelow uh, certainly kept some of his findings and research away from public eyes, and furthermore, had hoped to try and work with MUFON in order to be able to gain access to their information. And again, a a civilian group, as MUFON is, they also, uh, for a a variety of reasons, but namely, of course, because they are a membership organization, uh, they also, and I think perhaps with good reason, keep some of their files private just as well. Uh, In other words, how else would they appeal to new membership if they didn't? So uh, there there are a variety of reasons why a private entity would maybe keep certain things off record, so to speak, just as well. I guess the question is, is is there therefore a cause for some sort of a nonprofit organization that would be completely 100% transparent about its findings that would be able to try and glean interest and, and funding and scientific research into UFOs that would truly fairly present and, uh, and be entirely forthcoming with the information found uh, in terms of uh, the way it communicates with the public? Could that kind of a thing really realistically happen? 
I think so. I know that's what I've been trying to do with uh, the group that I've got here. And I don't charge anything to be a part of our website or membership in, in the group or anything like that. But the trick is getting people actually involved who want to spend the time. Everyone has a lot of good ideas, but getting them off the couch is pretty tough sometimes. Randall, can you recap what your group is and what you do? Oh, it's the Ufology Society International. I've had it for, oh, nearly 30 years now. And uh, we've got a few thousand members in about 20, 25 countries around the world. And everyone loves to support the idea in principle, but getting someone who is willing to take even just time to put into write articles, to do some research, to, to do more than just support the cause in principle, that's really tough. Yeah, certainly is. Thank you, by the way. But we look at this here. I don't foresee ever UFO disclosure. I think if there is a revelation about UFOs, it would be externally driven. But the other thing to bear in mind here is if you put all or a lot of the key elements of UFO research from the government into the private sector, immediately they don't have the obligation to tell you. Bob Bigelow does not have the obligation to tell you. Elon Musk doesn't have to tell you a thing, even though SpaceX is taking off and landing and he plans to send men to Mars 10, 15 years ahead of NASA. He's got all this stuff going on. But if there were UFO sightings, he's not a public official. He can do what he wants as long as it's not against the law. And even then you wonder. Well, yeah, I remember when... um we were talking about Bigelow one time, so I went to his website, and he was actually recruiting people to work for him on discovering how UFOs work. And he was really focusing on their propulsion systems, and you can imagine what uh, benefit that could be to a private corporation if they were able to figure that out. And I remember him advertising for outside-the-box thinkers. And uh, when I went to look at what he wanted in terms of credentials, they were all inside-the-box credentials, people with uh, degrees in physics or math or whatever it happened to be. So you have this person who wants to think outside the box but is only hiring people who think inside the box to get it done. And I thought that was a little ironic. Yeah, That's, that's an interesting point, yeah. Yeah, Sue, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I may have cut you off, by the way. Oh, I, I was just... I thought that was an interesting point, and I wonder if I could kind of pose a question putting it in broader context, because I'm not super familiar with the history of UFOs, but it does seem like there was a switch from a kind of era of public discourse about UFO sightings and experiences from the contactee era to the disclosure era to now, which is kind of the private space venture era. You know what, Sue? Let's do our break. Okay. And then we'll get into that. We've got Sue, we've got Ufology, we've got our guest co-host Micah Hanks. More to come. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, 
get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're considering going back to school, ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University is the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers over 100 highly ranked degree programs 100% online. You'll earn the same degree as you would on campus, from wherever you are, on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. For information, call 1-800-933-1430. Learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 90% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU Online degrees, call 1-800-933-1430. That's 1-800-933-1430. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? 
We also have a second radio show called After the Paracast. And what, what's that all about? Well, that's about getting our special subscription package for the show called Paracast Plus. And for Paracast Plus, we give you the commercial-free version of the show. We give you a small number of show transcripts with certain people working on more of them, we hope. And then we also have some classic episodes. We also have the After the Paracast podcast, where we sometimes continue the interview. We continue the discussion, or we have something totally different. So last week, for example, and this is where we got in trouble with Chris, we were talking about the possibility that major political upheavals or major events that change things a lot will bring with them lots and lots of sightings. So, for example, when we had all the things around the Watergate episode in the early 70s, think about the UFO flaps all over the place. Or when... Reagan was elected president in 1980. A lot of changes in the way the political structure was run in the U.S. and various programs and everything. Lots of paranormal events. So that was one particular thing right there. That great change politically after World War II, of course, will often bring about an increase in paranormal events. And that might be the only sort of pattern we see in any case, to learn more about the PowerCast Plus, go to plus.thepowercast.com. It is spelled P-L-U-S dot thepowercast.com. Now, you've had your organization going, Randall, for several decades. Right. Have you seen a pattern in UFOs? We used to have ley lines. We used to have seven-year flaps, five-year flaps. But every time you try to hone in on one of those patterns, it changes. It seems to me, and this is the biggest pattern that I've noticed, is that in the beginning of the modern era, they were a lot more visible to us. They were elusive still, but they didn't seem to do the vanishing act that we see. And it seems that as our technology to detect them has increased in sophistication, they've increased their ability to avoid that detection. Sounds like kind of the trickster element there that Chris often talks about. But that's an interesting point to raise, and I'll ask your opinions about it. On the PowerCast, we've talked to people who are working on UFO detectors, like this group from Canada that is going to launch a low-Earth orbit satellite, or Mark D'Antonio and Doug Trumbull doing their particular UFO detection project, or UFO data with Leslie Kane and a number of people from the Center for UFO Studies. So do you think having all this technology at our beck and call, when we get this UFO detector system up, the UFO or those responsible for the UFO presence, they'll just change their methodology? Well, I think that's what they've been doing all along. That's been the, the pattern. So really, it seems that it's up to them to decide whether or not they want to reveal themselves to us it might increase the chances that if they make a mistake or they're not fully prepared, that we might catch something by accident. But that kind of leads into the whole concept of, well, how much more proof do we really need now? There's those who are willing to accept that alien visitation is a reality and those who are skeptical about it and and will refuse to believe probably unless they were given a free pass to a mothership tour. So that sounds like fun. You know, and and even then, I'm not sure that they would actually believe. So my questioning 
of the whole disclosure thing is, is it really necessary? Or should those of us who already know they're here try to get on with the business of doing what we would do on the assumption that they are already here? What next? Yeah, but doesn't that also create the climate for making UFOs into a religion? We already believe they're here. It's like saying we believe God is here, and I'm not attacking any particular religion. I'm just making them similar, that we know God is here, that God is watching us. We know the UFOs are here. We know UFOs are watching us. I think we have to go to the next step. It's not about belief. It's about what we can prove. Well, I think that it's reasonable to believe that they're here based on the evidence that's out there. And scientific evidence isn't the only standard by which it's reasonable to believe things. Religion, on the other hand, is involved with a lot of mythology, and there's just not enough good evidence to support a belief in certain kinds of religious deities. So, I think you make a really good point that we have to be careful not to make up things that aren't reasonable or logically consistent. But if we be really careful about walking that line and don't go over it into the the cult of personality or the want to believe that they're space brothers here to save the planet type of thing, I think that we can still have a worldview that includes the reality of alien visitation, as opposed to being simply unsure that it really exists because we can't scientifically prove it. I love the standard of logical consistency applied to the presence of aliens. The problem I have with the argument that there's enough to believe that they're here without getting into the argument itself is that there are a lot of people who disagree. So what to make of their disagreement? Um, Are they all just wrong? To me, that's a, a reason to reflect further and not rush to belief for on my own part. But I think, you know, the criteria of having logical, logical consistency and plausible arguments can only forward things. You know, what Sue's talking about right there brings us back to a uh, subject that you and I've addressed in the past before here on the Paracast gene, which is how can science be applied to a methodology for the study of this phenomena? And one of the issues I think that we face with UFOs is quite simply Unlike in the scientific community where we look at the data and we say, well, with this data, we have a consensus opinion based on what is most likely, and therefore this is what science holds to be true based on our observations. With UFOs, as Sue outlines, and I think coming back to Randall's statements about there, it does seem to be enough to qualify for a discussion, and yes, we can make certain determinations about that, but there doesn't seem to really be a consensus opinion about what exactly the nature of UFOs, if we take this to be anything, I would say alien maybe rather than extraterrestrial just because that would account for a number of non-human things. And that's still distinctly a hypothetical to me. But again, we don't seem to have that consensus opinion among ufologists about what exactly we're dealing with. I mean, again, extra-dimensional phenomena, man-made technologies that are kept off the books, alien visitation, time travelers from the future. Some of this may sound absurd to the more skeptical thinkers, but nonetheless, these are all things that have made their way into the discussion. And really, there still seems to be no real hard consensus about this is most likely what's going on. Many would argue that extraterrestrial visitation is that consensus. And for the ufological community on the whole, maybe it is. But again, I I sort of still abstain from judgment because there are so many different varieties of things that UFOs still seem to be capable of being. And so perhaps that consensus does elude us in a sense. And that would maybe be the difference between 
the scientific worldview versus you know the actual intelligence that we have about UFOs and what to do with it. Oh, some great points there, Micah. I happen to agree with you completely that using the word alien is the way to go with it because however it boils down, once we begin talking about the subject matter in terms of UFOs, what people were seeing and investigating uh, back when the term was first coined, we were talking about flying saucers. UFOs and flying saucers are essentially the same thing. UFO became a euphemism for flying saucers. And we don't know exactly where they come from, but we sure know they don't come from around here, at least within the bounds of our known civilization. And by every definition, wherever they come from, that does make them alien. Yeah, very good points there, Randall. We assume that alien doesn't necessarily mean from another planet. Exactly. It could be an alien race that is local to us, but alien in the sense that it's not something that is part of any particular country. I mean, we refer to immigrants at times as aliens. You know, one of the pejorative terms for immigrants that are undocumented in the U.S. is illegal aliens. And I think, okay, well, maybe we're talking about the ones who have gray skins and they're short. We have Randall, we have Sue, we have Micah Hanks, and Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Do you ever feel like you're being watched? Like someone or some company is tracking your every move online? I know 
I do. That's why I trust Private Internet Access VPN to keep me safe when I'm online. I use it to encrypt my traffic and use an anonymous IP address. Private Internet Access keeps your internet traffic safe from unwanted eyes so you can finally feel safe. $40 a year for peace of mind is a no-brainer. Sign up today at privateinternetaccess.com. Once again, that's privateinternetaccess.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury Help Desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention prescription antibiotic drug users. Have you or a loved one suffered an aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm after taking the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox? These popular antibiotic drugs have been prescribed more than 80 million times since 2004, and medical studies show an increased risk of the following injuries. Aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, and abdominal aortic aneurysm. If you or a loved one used the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox and suffered from aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Listener Roundtable with our guest co-host, Micah Hanks and Sue and Randall. And we're talking about alien UFOs and what that threshold means. On the other hand, we see more and more indications of exoplanets. We were talking to Mark D'Antonio, an astronomer, last week about this. More and more planets out there in the cosmos that may have conditions suitable to life. And maybe we are a bunch of happy accidents here to get where we are, although some people think this is a kind of accident that needs to be cleaned up. Regardless, it does create at least the mathematical possibility that's happened elsewhere and maybe very often. That so, was an excellent show, by the you. way. Thank excellent you. guest, excellent show. So, what do we do? Well, I think the ETH is reasonably the most logical way to look at the situation, but it's not the only one, as Micah said. The ETH is logical. It has logical consistency. It has plausibility. We look to be doing the same thing ourselves in the future, traveling out to other star systems. So there's not much reason to think that they might not be coming here. On the other hand, things like extra dimensional or time travelers, although we see that a lot in science fiction and there is some science, mostly pop science, that claims it's possible, really when you look at it from a logical consistency point of view, it's not really possible, not in the way people think of it. So I think we can rule out some things and say other things are more favorable. 
Yeah, I, I think it's important, by the way, as we're all having this conversation, uh, to be willing to be open-minded about potentials and possibilities. I, you know, I can sense that all of us are putting forward ideas, and we're fairly discussing things that, like you say, Randall, maybe they are not as logically plausible as certain other potentials. And, you know, because in the past, for instance, and I wrote a book a few years ago called The UFO Singularity that looked at, well, let's look at some hypotheticals. If we were talking about, for instance, alien visitation, we are now seeing the rigors of space travel before us and the kinds of uh, things that happen to biological life that spends time in space. I mean, we see swelling of the eyes and other organs. We see atrophy of, of musculature. We see a lot of things that are negatively impacting biology when we, presumably humans or anyone else or any other kind of biological life form, spends time off planet because we evolved to exist in this habitat, in this gravitational uh, environment here on planet Earth. That's one example of a number of different things that the rigors of space travel may present in terms of issues we would face trying to become a spacefaring civilization ourselves. So as a hypothetical with that book, and I didn't want it to be called the UFO Singularity. I've talked about this many times, but my wonderful publishers, and I mean that in, in, in true love because they're wonderful people and I'm friends with them. But, you know, publishers do tend to pick out the titles of books and they wanted UFO in the title. Therefore, many interpreted the meaning of that book as being this is what Micah Hanks believes. Or if I didn't seem to state it as belief that UFOs are some roboticized intelligence that has augmented itself, perhaps post-biologically, which is why the book was called UFO Singularity. It did bring into the discussion artificial intelligence and transhumanism. These seem like logical things that would probably befit an advanced civilization in order for them to be able to become uh, interstellarly mobile, we'll say. But again, you know, these are hypotheticals. And I think it's fair to be able to talk about hypotheticals and look at the likelies versus the more unlikelies and still have a fair discussion. I'm glad we're having this discussion, but I just want to point out that as much as I, in my own book, or as Randall discusses these things, you know, or as Sue brings certain points to the table here, uh, or even Gene for that matter, I mean, we can have that discussion without saying this is what we believe. I'm sure someone will listen to this roundtable discussion at some point and say, well, you know, Randall seems to believe this, or Sue seemed to think that. It's important to have this discussion and look at these possibilities outside of what the most logical primaries may be. And I think that that's great that you bring up time travel in that context because, yeah, while it does seem to be a generic feature of relativity and it does seem to be consistent with relativistic views on physics, it does not seem likely that it is, it is something that, at least in any, in any future sense that, that we might all live to see, that will become something that is a actual reality, i.e. time travelers from the future. And many argue we haven't seen any evidence of them either, <laughs> unless, of course, and even Carl Sagan pointed this out, we have mistaken some phenomena for being something else rather than that. And he had even said at times, perhaps UFOs, ghosts, something along those lines could be that evidence of the time travelers. We have mistaken it as being something else. Who knows? I think it's fair to be open-minded about these kind of things and sure have the, the discussion. Yeah, exploring the possibilities is what makes UFOs fun. Absolutely. And great points, Micah. Well, thank you. I certainly don't know for sure myself where they come from, but I certainly do believe they're here, or at least have been here in the recent future. You know, taking a example of <laughs> real, real quick, I also want to say one theory that hasn't reached the table first, and, and Sue, maybe we'll go to you, you first on this one. Walter Bosley recently appeared on the Paracast here, and he was discussing, and he's often said the same thing, hey, I like to put hypotheticals 
on the table. People are constantly nitpicking over it. He says, being able to express different ideas, sometimes those which, sure, may fall outside the general discussion of modern science. It's fun to be able to have these conversations, so let's have them. And one thing that he's brought to the table, as far as his own interests, is this idea of some sort of a indigenous civilization, a crypto-terrestrial civilization, or maybe a breakaway civilization, and how this has something to do with the UFO phenomena. Sue, uh, or Randall, or both, what are your thoughts about this? Breakaway civilization is a really new idea to me. I don't know how comfortable I am with it. I haven't read much or listened to much, so I can't really do it justice. I think my initial reaction would be to say that it's good to be open-minded about another order of existence out there that is separate from what we think of as the way things must be. And I always enjoy Walter Bosley's stuff because he comes up with such crazy ideas and he makes such good arguments for them. It's, it's a lot of fun to read. Yeah, sure. It, it is fun. And Bosley's an interesting character, but I don't buy into the breakaway civilization thing. Although there have been some people who've looked at it not so much as a separate civilization, say, living on an island someplace that we haven't discovered yet, but actually mixed in within our own society in ways that we're not immediately aware of through secrecy and corporate and government projects and that sort of thing. But I think those, it's important to separate those two ideas in either case, I don't think there's enough evidence for it simply because the technology that the UFOs have demonstrated is just so far beyond anything that we've developed ourselves, even since the beginning of flight. That would mean that wherever they come from, if they come from Earth, they must have come from some distant past, and there's not enough archaeological evidence to support that either. It would require a, a large civilization and a lot of infrastructure, and they're just simply isn't any evidence of it. So the ancient aliens, I'm sorry to have to say, for those who are listening, go onto YouTube and look up a video called Ancient Aliens Debunked, and it is really a good counter to the ancient aliens hypothesis. It's very sensible and scientific, and anyone who believes in the ancient aliens hypothesis should have a look at that. Yeah. I often get uh, a lot of flack for being so dismissive of the ancient alien hypothesis. When asked to come on that program, the first question, of course, you were typically asked by the producers is, uh, do, are you an advocate of the ancient alien hypothesis? And so when asked that question myself, of course, my response was, well, no, but I think I could offer some good skeptical positions on that. And, of course, I wasn't invited back to be on the show, but the producers and I had a nice conversation nonetheless. Uh, I'll say that if we were to redefine breakaway civilization – and put it in a slightly different context. Once again, much like UFOs, perhaps the problem is, is we don't have a real consensus idea of what exactly we mean when we say that. When Richard Dolan brought that idea into the dialogue a few years ago, he said, I just put it out as just, again, a hypothetical. I had no idea that there would be conferences that were built around it and other authors would take up the mantle and write books about it. And he says, and I don't necessarily endorse the idea. But what if a breakaway civilization, rather than being something ancient, which I agree, Randall, seems far from likely to me, what if it were a technological presence within our existing international, political, economic, uh, intel, uh, a technological sphere, something that is kept off the books but once again is representative of an element within Earth civilization today that is moving apart from and under cover of secrecy? Many think that that is entirely unlikely, but I would say it must be at least as plausible as the idea of ET visitation to Earth it would seem unusual that such things would be kept from the public. But once again, this brings us back to the discussion of innumerable 
things that have been kept from public knowledge. Think about MKUltra. They had hoped, the CIA, that the documents that actually detailed the atrocities that occurred, the illegal activities, they had hoped that they would be destroyed before they could actually be released to the public. A, a few of the documents were not and made it to the uh, congressional uh, review that occurred a few years later. And that's how we even know about it. And yes, and so that discourse has at very least been kept mostly off the record. Our guest co-host is Micah Hanks. We have Ufology and Sue as part of our Listener Roundtable. You're in... The Bearcast! Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Do you ever feel like you're being watched? Like someone or some company is tracking your every move online? I know I do. That's why I trust Private Internet Access VPN to keep me safe when I'm online. I use it to encrypt my traffic and use an anonymous IP address. Private Internet Access keeps your internet traffic safe from unwanted eyes so you can finally feel safe. $40 a year for peace of mind is a no-brainer. Sign up today at privateinternetaccess.com. Once again, that's privateinternetaccess.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Sue has become robotic. She's been taken over by an artificial intelligence. It's the nanites. Is that what it is? Yep. I've got a bad case of them. <laughs> As they say, uh, nano, nano. That was Mork and Mindy, right? Yes, it was. <laughs> and originally they hired Robin Williams to do a segment of Happy Days. I don't know how much of that he improvised and how much of that was written in script. The other thing about it, though, is that when they went to the TV series, I always thought it was kind of distilled. It wasn't quite as hard-hitting. Or spontaneous, perhaps. 
probably because you have a 30 minute thing yeah i never watched it much actually yeah i didn't either well i guess i'll have to be the only representative late night tv junkie when i was a kid growing up nick at night was my thing i watched bewitched i dream of genie the monsters all these kind of shows i loved those shows when i was a kid these days i don't watch as much tv and people always laugh and say mikey your favorite show must be the x-files right and in truth, I think I've probably watched about three episodes of The X-Files. It's one of those shows I could never really get into. Maybe I'll tell you something about The X-Files. They had a six-episode reboot where they come back, the original characters, and they go through six stories that supposedly echoed the kind of stories they ran as part of the original series. And the ratings were pretty decent. You know, the average TV ratings for a network show is much less today than it was 10, 15 years ago. And they might do more in a year or two. But it left off with a cliffhanger with no indication they'd ever do it again. And I think that was kind of unfortunate. But the thing they did, though, which might be interesting, is that they changed the conspiracy before it was E.T. doing everything. Now it was the government taking technology from Roswell and engaging in these conspiratorial acts. Right. And that brings us back to what Micah was talking about in the sort of breakaway civilization thing and how we look at what the word UFO means. And we at USI, we consider a UFO to be a craft of alien origin. Well, a breakaway civilization that is secret from the rest of society, I think a pretty good case could be made to say that, yes, that is alien to the rest of us. We don't know about it. It's from outside the constructs of our normal everyday existence. And in this case, it must be outside the constructs of even most political constructs. So I I think it would be fair to say that some UFOs could be from one of these types of breakaway civilizations. But I don't think that covers it all. Because Like you're saying there in the X-Files episode, they're taking technology that was recovered from Roswell. So it still seems to me that even in the reality of the thing, we're looking at technology that is so far beyond what we had back in the 50s and 60s, and even today for that matter, that it doesn't seem possible that it actually is something that we came up with ourselves. You know, to that point, I would like to just really quickly add something. And, and this is just a this is just a comparison, but but you know, let's put this on the table. When we look at the ancient alien hypothesis, one of the gripes many people have is that, well, we suppose that ancient people could not have created a technology like this, you know, to build, for instance, monuments like the pyramids, the the great wonders of the ancient world. Uh, when we assert that aliens had to assist humans, we undermine human ingenuity. Now, maybe this isn't exactly the case, but would it be fair to ask that to assume that? For a breakaway civilization to exist and to have such technology that they had to borrow it from aliens is that in the same way, maybe rather than undermining, because I think that has you know kind of negative connotations, but let's say to presume that we had to reverse engineer alien craft in order to have this technology, does that uh, once again attribute to an unexplainable what very well may be something that somewhere humans did of their own accord with their own intelligence uh, develop? I mean, just looking at that from a different angle and playing devil's advocate. Oh, absolutely, Micah. I I think you're correct with that. I think 
quite a few of the claims that Corso makes, for example, were legitimate human scientific breakthroughs, transistors and so on, and microcircuits and that sort of thing. But none of those things still explain how a craft can be tracked on radar and followed by a jet and then have it come to an instant stop and then change direction pretty much instantly and zoom off at uh, 20,000 miles an hour. There's nothing that we've got that can do that yet, let alone back in the 50s. So, Here's my problem with breakaway technology, as opposed to breakaway civilization, which I can kind of handle that idea. Breakaway technology, I just, I'm not sure you can hide a whole technology. And this is like, a kind of uninformed opinion, but I'm reasoning from the parallel fact that the technology we have in our society has such a massive environmental impact. If you have a hidden secret breakaway technology, wouldn't you at least see some kinds of environmental impacts or other trace evidence of its existence? That's where I have problems with the whole breakaway idea. Yeah. Yeah. We both agree. That's a great point. And, and, um, Someone else, I mean, just to add to that, uh, I think someone else would have come up with it by now. If it was that easy to come up with that advanced of a technology, it wouldn't be only the military that's had it since the 50s. Someone else would have invented it and made it, and we'd be seeing it in pretty much everyday use somewhere, but we don't. Hmm. It's It's a very strange discussion when we really start breaking all this down. I like what we're all doing here because we, we are kind of taking uh, each individual hypothetical as related to UFOs and saying, now, what seems most likely? Many UFO skeptics, I know Robert Schaefer, he's been a guest on the show and I correspond with Bob from time to time. Um, Bob has taken issue uh, with one of the facts that I had presented. No, I'm sorry, not a fact, but a an idea, which had been that, hey, some of these things very well may be some government technology. Bob uh, took issue with that and had said, you know, I think that if that were the case, there would be either release of that information already or there should be some other evidence that that technology exists, which comes back to what uh, Sue was saying. But, you know, Mm -hmm. so I said, can we account for there being some other explanation for UFOs? Uh, Again, the the hardline skeptical stance is generally today that, uh, well, these are all misidentifications, these are people who may suffer from delusions and fantasies. And let's be fair, Alan Hendry, who worked for this uh, Center for UFO Studies uh, under J. Allen Hynek and wrote a fabulous book back in the late 70s called The UFO Handbook, he very fairly explored all those possibilities, too. Yes, there are confabulations, delusions, fantasies, and things like this, misidentifications, and certain natural phenomena. Uh, Gene, I've got an interesting update about the Brown Mountain Lights here in a second. But, uh, but you know, again, when we look at all these different possible variables, what we have to accept at some point is what is most likely, uh, which, again, coming back to what Randall's kind of driven throughout the uh, discussion, that it seems that there is some technology that doesn't seem to be accountable easily with earthly known technologies, and yet which also seems to be present enough that we can account for the existence of something very physical and tangible here on Earth that is observed, but that is advanced enough that it is also difficult to observe and thereby explain. So, It's really interesting when we kind of circle around and look at all these different hypotheticals, because while each may still have some validity, we do begin to see that there are certain trends that emerge in terms of what is most likely. Um, I guess, again, I'm comfortable with saying that there is seemingly something very exotic about the UFO phenomena, and whatever that is remains extremely 
extremely um, strange to me. And I think that's what keeps us all so interested in this. I want to hear about this Brown Mountain Light update. Let me, yeah. Okay, this is interesting. Gene, how Okay, yeah, let's yeah. be brief about this. We're going to have to break in a moment. And I want to tell everybody about our second radio show called After the Paracast, which is part of the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S.theparacast.com. You can then hear After the Paracast, which is, I don't know how we'd call this anything but a catch-as-catch-can type of program because we have just independent discussions, continuations of this show, and sometimes we just do stuff that's really off the wall. You never know. We also have the commercial-free version of this show. All this and more for a low subscription price. Check it out. Plus.theparacast.com Plus.theparacast.com Micah Hanks is going to tell us about Brown Mountain Lights, and I'll tell you about my experiences first. We have Sue we have Randall, Ufology. You're in the Paracast. The award-winning Graphic Converter 10, the universal genius for photo editing apps on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for the Swiss Army Knife app. It gives you all the features that you expect. And most important, it's easy to use. You can get it for just $39.95 from www.lemkesoft.com. That's www.lemkesoft.com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Dr. Lotta Warburg won the Nobel Prize for discovering how cells breathe. He also discovered how normal cells turn into tumor cells. He discovered the one prime cause of cancer was cellular oxygen deficiency. Dr. Joanna Budwig built upon the work of Dr. Warburg and discovered how to feed the cells to overcome this oxygen deficiency. She found that it was the sulfur in the cottage cheese that when mixed with fresh pressed flax oil, that the flax oil would become emulsified and more readily absorbed. Flax oil delivered in this manner was able to restore oxygen transfer to all cells of the body. Now there's a new method of pressing seed oils that produces the highest quality, zero oxidation, undamaged seed oils. The results on these seed oils alone are amazing. Now add our Life Force Enhanced One World Whey Protein Powder that is much higher in the sulfur amino acids than cottage cheese is, and you have a winning combination to confer health and energy like never before. Call 888-988-3325 or visit sacredseedoils.com. That's sacredseedoils.com. Do you ever feel like you're being watched? Like someone or some company is tracking your every move online? I know I do. That's why I trust Private Internet Access VPN to keep me safe when I'm online. I use it to encrypt my traffic and use an anonymous IP address. Private Internet Access keeps your internet traffic safe from unwanted eyes so you can finally feel safe. $40 a year for peace of mind is a no-brainer. Sign up today at privateinternetaccess.com. Once again, that's privateinternetaccess.com. 
dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Minuteman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Minuteman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, so far, Sue has been the only one who has tried to be inventive about it. Okay, Brown Mountain Lights. Now, I went to look at that quite a bit of time ago. I went to look at the Brown Mountain Lights back in, I think, around 1969 or 1970, and I saw nothing whatever. Tell us about the update, Micah. Well, you know, I've long studied the Brown Mountain Lights. They are a purported illuminative phenomena, most likely of natural origin, that uh, exists in actually just outside what's called the Limville Gorge, which is a, a protected wilderness area. Here on the eastern coast, we, we call things gorges, whereas out west it would be a canyon. But generally, it's the same sort of a thing. Slightly different geological features based on the, the location. And so the Limville Gorge actually is a great big gorge or canyon, and it's a beautiful spot. And you can go up to what's called Wiseman's View, and it's named after Scotty Wiseman and his family. He wrote a famous song that bluegrass singers to this day still sing called The Legend of the Brown Mountain Light. I have performed it myself with my group. And it's long been said that you can go to Wiseman's View or other lookouts in the area, and you can look off into the distance, and you'll see lights sometimes that appear on the side of Brown Mountain. Now, I want to be very clear that they don't just appear as ground-based illumination. Some of these apparently rise into the sky just as well, and we'll get to that in a moment. But um, as a researcher into this phenomenon, I've got a lot of friends who are really, really steeped in belief and think that there's a UFO base under the mountain. I've got friends who are very skeptical and say it's all blue ghost fireflies that people are seeing and mistaking for being a light in the distance. And then there are the scientists who are a little more open-minded about things, and I've spent a lot of time with some of these guys. Uh, My good friends formerly of Bell Laboratories, uh, Bob Ashmore and Bill Fox, come down about every year from Pennsylvania. We'll spend time up there at the uh, Wiseman's View observing. I'm like Gene. I've seen very little. There have been a couple of rare exceptions to that. Bill and Bob have managed to photograph some interesting things that even my more skeptical friends in the science community have said we don't know what it is, but I'm sure eventually we will. And what it all seems to point to is that there are illuminative phenomena that occur uh, there around the Limville Gorge and also, of course, on the adjacent 
Brown Mountain Ridge, which is popularly associated with this phenomena. But in addition to the field work, I'm interested in the historical work as well. And a lot of us here in this region, namely my good friend uh, Ed Spear, who's a retired geologist, he's one of my skeptic friends who does a lot of this research, uh, Daniel Caton, who is a physicist at uh, App State University, we've been involved both with field research and also historical research. And recently, a funny thing happened. As a matter of fact, just yesterday. When it comes to digging through archives, microfilm data, books, we've tried to find references to the Brown Mountain Lights and things like travel logs and things that that seem to indicate that there was a phenomena before the 20th century. And really, there's very little information that does suggest that. Although, there was a U.S. geological survey expedition that was conducted, and George R. Mansfield had been the scientist sent down by the USGS, uh, who back in the 1920s did collect reports that said people had said that they'd seen the lights as early as the 1860s. But that also coincided with the appearance of railroads and, and trains in the region. And so his determination at the time was that these were the oncoming lights of locomotives people were seeing. If we really do have objects that go into the sky, there are a couple of interesting points that might be made. One of them being that if Mansfield had been looking for a terrestrial source of the illuminations, he and others over the years might not have been considering looking up. And there certainly is data that suggests that these illuminations both appear on the ground in the distance and sometimes rise into the sky as well. I've found a lot of interesting old photos over the years of people who have photographed the lights both as ground-based illuminations and also in one notable instance that comes to mind, appear to be hovering over a ridgeline. The photo that comes to mind initially is that uh, that was taken by Bruce Roberts and appeared in one of Nancy Roberts' books on ghosts in the Carolinas from back in the 1950s. Her husband had taken a photo of the lights, and they do appear to be hovering over the ridgeline. I found a new photo that I'd never seen. I'm sure someone has seen this eventually, but I just found it yesterday. My grandfather died earlier this year on his 101st birthday. And he often told me he'd listen to late night radio and things and had a little bit of an interest in the unexplained. But I would always ask him, being a World War II historian, what, what do you think about the ghost rockets? What do you think about Foo Fighters? He'd say very little about those kind of things. And to my knowledge, he didn't own any kind of literature about strange happenings. Well, lo and behold, we were at uh, his house yesterday, my mother and my aunt and my father and I, and they had asked me to come over and go through some of his old books. And he has a trove of books about World War II. And there was a little box that my mother and my, my uh, aunt found, and they began going through uh, the box and seeing what was in there. And there were a bunch of old newspaper clippings and things that were folded up. And here I have in my hands one of the newspapers that he had kept. And this was from Sunday, July 29th, 1962. I actually have the, the actual paper here, the Asheville Citizen Times. This was the front page story on that Sunday edition in 1962. Brown Mountain Lights remain a mystery to viewers. And there's a beautiful photograph taken by the author, Jim Beatty. He was a correspondent for the paper at the time. And it shows a number of lights on the ridgeline of Brown Mountain and down in the valley. And in the distance further beyond, you also see lightning striking. It may not be the most remarkable photo of something alleged to be the Brown Mountain Lights, but it was front page news in 1962, and I'd never seen this photo before. And what's interesting about it is that many theorize that we're dealing with something akin to ball lightning happening there at Brown Mountain. And sure enough, this photo seems to have been taken during a thunderstorm, and you can see the lightning striking there in the distance. So it's kind of interesting that after all these years, things continue to turn up from time to time, and we do find little little bits of information that might still be useful in the furthering of our understanding of what's happening down there at Brown Mountain. Oh, well, thanks for that, Mike. And uh, condolences on your grandfather. Fantastic. Over 100 years old. That's amazing. 101, yeah. Another quick anecdote. Uh, when Sputnik 1 was launched by the Russians in 1957, he and my uncle had sat outside and, and observed as it passed over 
through a telescope. He had also taken a photograph that he wanted me to look at. Now, I haven't found this photo, and it must still be in his record someplace, but he said, I took a photo of some very odd contrails one day, which he kind of alluded to having been chemtrails. He wanted me to have this photo, and I haven't uncovered that yet in his archives, so I hope to be able to maybe find that because he was a fascinating person and, and as it has come to my attention, apparently he paid a little bit more interest to unusual things than I realized. You know, that wasn't the only newspaper dealing with strange phenomena that he had kept. He'd kept another newspaper that talked about fairy circles found here in Asheville. There was one written by an author named John Paris uh, that was talking about strange happenings uh, as it related to a religious group here in the area. Um, so he had apparently kept rather quietly an interest over the years in a variety of different unexplained things. And it just, it's very funny for me because the more I learn about my family members in the past, the more I find that there's been a long tradition, whether or not they were very vocal about it, of people in my family who've had these kind of interests. Well, that's really true. If you actually start asking around in your family, if you've never done it before, or even your circle of friends, what I've found, because I'm not afraid to, is that everybody's family or circle of friends has a few people in it who have had some sort of weird experience and they might not talk about it, but if once you get them talking about it, it can be really interesting. Absolutely. My uncle, for instance, who would have been my grandfather's son, eldest child, my uncle had worked back probably the early 70s or maybe the late 60s, right after he graduated from college, he had worked for a manufacturer of jet components. And he had said that one evening he got a phone call from some of his co-workers, and it was a good commute to where he had to work a time. He was about 45 minutes away from his workplace, but they called and asked, Bill, would you be interested in coming out here? There's something that we've seen that's hovering over the downrange where they would test the jet aircraft engines. I asked him about this recently, and he said, yeah, that's true. There were a number of workers one night who were out there, and they said some dark object came hovering. We, they never got a good look at what it was because it was dark outside and it wasn't lit, but there was clearly a large aircraft of some kind that came and hovered over the downrange as though it were you know, keeping an eye on what they were doing with the engine tests and whatnot. Talk about a weird story. We got more to come with Micah Hanks, Sue and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Do you ever feel like you're being watched? Like someone or some company is tracking your every move online? I know I do. That's why I trust Private Internet Access VPN to keep me safe when I'm online. I use it to encrypt my traffic and use an anonymous IP address. Private Internet Access keeps your internet traffic safe from unwanted eyes so you can finally feel safe. $40 a year for peace of mind is a no-brainer. Sign up today at privateinternetaccess.com. Once again, that's privateinternetaccess.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative 
to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. This is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. A listener roundtable with Micah Hanks is our guest co-host. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. We have Sue, we have Randall. They also joined us on our last Listener Roundtable. And we've been getting into a lot of interesting discussions, breakaway civilizations, UFO disclosure, and indeed the Brown Mountain Lights. I remember we talked to this fellow, Ralph Lale, at the time. And did you ever meet him, Micah? Uh, No, that was before my time. I do know of him. Um, you know, before we get into that discussion, though, uh, Sue, I know that you had a, a point you were making. Why don't we come back to you, and then we could talk a little bit about Ralph if you want to a little later. I do have a funny story about that. Yeah, I was just going to say, everyone seems to be walking around with this story, but they seem to be hesitant to share them, possibly for fear of ridicule or just because opening up that kind of discussion opens up the unknown as a whole, and that's a little scary. And I'm wondering... 
do people have any ideas about the best ways to kind of get people to uh, share their stories, to get them willing to talk about that with you? Let me begin by asking, Sue, have you ever had an experience yourself? Oh, yeah, various, sure, over the years. Would you, would you be comfortable giving an example of something? Um, no. <laughs> ah, see, there we go. All right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really seem relevant to other people. It was highly personal in nature, and I'm not sure that it makes a good story story. I understand. Well, you know, that's the thing about when I have experiences, they're typically, and again, I don't consider myself a person who has psychic abilities or anything like that. I've never seen what I could say, oh my gosh, that was a full-blown exotic aircraft of some kind, a UFO by definition. Um, I haven't had those experiences, but I tell you what I've had a lot of uh, synchronicities. And just to give you a few examples, I mean, this is very recently. I had had a dream that uh, a band that I used to help out as a guitarist a number of years ago was getting back together and they couldn't find their singer. The next day, um, the current bass player in my group contacted me and said, guess who called me and wants to do some recording? Uh, the old group, and he named the group, and he said, but apparently they're doing it this time and Justin, the singer, isn't coming back. And I thought... Really? And I told him about the dream I'd had the night before, and he didn't really have much to say about it. So I think that sometimes those peculiar little coincidences, meaningful though they are to individuals, uh, may not have that same meaning to other people. And that seems to be the general trend is that uh, these are excluded from general conversation because those I, I could tell about an experience like that. And somebody might say, well, that means little or nothing. Uh, or they assume that you're trying to make some sort of a case for having some strange psychic abilities. Another example. I was sitting here in my office the other day. I knew that my friend Lindsay was going to be coming into town soon with her family. I thought about the fact that they were going to be coming into town, and I said she'll be contacting me really soon to talk about this. And then my phone rang that instant, and there it was. She was calling. Um, a lot of people have talked about that. I know I'm about to hear from somebody before the phone rings. That's probably the most stark and obvious instance of that occurring that I've experienced in a long time. Um, and then there are other things that have happened just as well. I had a dream the other night that uh, I was playing a show with a couple of musicians, a particular mandolin player and a fiddler. We do traditional mountain music here. Uh, the next day, I did not have a gig scheduled, but the mandolin player from the dream the night before called and said, I realized I had a gig tonight. I didn't remember it. They've called wanting to know where I am. I don't have other musicians. Can you come play? And we were sitting on stage together at the gig later that night, and I explained to him, I said, now, let's be really careful. Because last night in the dream I had where you and I were playing a show, my guitar neck got broken. And he said, uh, well, what should we do? And I said, let's hope my guitar neck doesn't get broken. And it didn't. <laughs> but it was funny that, you know, that that would happen. And um, is it only meaningful to me? Or is there legitimately a bizarre coincidence occurring there that's noteworthy? What about you, Randall? You ever had an experience of something strange along those lines? Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff like that. Um, apart from UFOs, which I... I tend to think of as something a little bit separate from paranormal. I've had ghost experiences and similar types of dreams as you, although recently I'm, I'm hoping none of my dreams come true. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, uh, MIB and oh man, the list goes on. And that's why I do believe I can't be the only person in the world who's experienced these things. If I've experienced them, other people, when they say they have, it's just not fair to say, no, you haven't. You, that's all nonsense. I'm the only person who's ever experienced these things. So I do believe that the phenomena is real. I think it's just really important how we interpret it. Gene, I'm interested, though, because Randall just said he had an MIB experience. Have you heard this story, Gene? 
You know what? I think we're going to have to pursue this more. We might have discussed it on one of our past episodes, but that's long ago and far away. And we always have a lot of new listeners to particular episodes. So, Randall, you've been elected. Tell us. Oh, man. Well, I've had two, basically, that were rather bizarre. But the most bizarre one, I was working out in B.C., in Rogers Pass. I was a section foreman out there. And it's a fairly lonely stretch of highway going from there to where my mom lived in Windermere, which is a location where a number of things happen in the Rocky Mountain Trench. You can This, this is a geological feature you can actually see from space. And it's also where I saw the uh, UFO I saw when I was younger. But I was driving, to make a long story short, to my mom's place. And, uh, and it was 1977. And I was between Golden and Radium and just driving along at night when all of a sudden I saw what looked like a car coming to an intersection, a, a, like a T intersection in front of me. And I thought, well, I hope it stops, but it didn't. And so I went to jam on my brakes and this Cadillac big black Cadillac with great big fins, just like the, the stereotypical MIB, came zooming across the highway right in front of me. I swear I missed this thing by inches and everything went into slow motion. And I could still see to this day the faces of these three MIB classic white shirts, hats, sunglasses at night in this Cadillac going across this intersection. And so I pulled over and I got out and I went to where it was. And there was just sort of dust in the air as if a car had driven across this intersection, only there was no intersection. There was no road. There was nothing there. There was just the forest. And this thing seemed to come like zooming down through the trees and around the trees and across the road and down into the valley. And that's, I was completely dumbfounded. I, I didn't even know MIB existed at the time. That was a part of UFO lore I'd never run across at the time and only discovered it back in about the early 80s. So, See, that now that's a great bizarre. story. Yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 I can still see the, uh, the looks on their faces as their vehicle went by me and they were their heads were turning and looking directly right into my windshield as if they were looking right at me. It was so bizarre. Um, Gene, have you heard my MIB story? I might have, but being that we have lots of listeners here, let's bring it up again. We have oh, about a minute left before we have to break. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll keep it short. I mean, uh, long story short was a person that emailed me a long time ago and had said that they had had a UFO experience where they saw one of these large triangles, and uh, shortly thereafter, the same individual contacted me and said, I want to tell you about an MIB experience I had. And uh, he related that late one night, uh, he had been uh, working as a delivery guy with a, with a, uh, a truck. He was unloading the truck, and uh, that uh, there had been a black vehicle that parked in front of his truck. And as he was leaving, he was confronted by a classic MIB that told him, you're to stop talking to Micah Hanks about your UFO experiences. So, you know, it's interesting. It never happened to me, but apparently if this story is indeed a, a valid retelling of events, uh, there must be an MIB out there that's pretty interested in what I'm doing. So <laughs> that's my MIB story. Well, that was short. 
that was sweet. And we're having a special listener roundtable with two of our frequent posters in forums at our forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. Check it out, and you can get involved in the discussions or just lurk. We have Randall. We have Sue. We have Micah Hanks as guest co-host. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Do you ever feel like you're being watched? Like someone or some company is tracking your every move online? I know I do. That's why I trust Private Internet Access VPN to keep me safe when I'm online. I use it to encrypt my traffic and use an anonymous IP address. Private Internet Access keeps your internet traffic safe from unwanted eyes so you can finally feel safe. $40 a year for peace of mind is a no-brainer. Sign up today at privateinternetaccess.com. Once again, that's privateinternetaccess.com. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. 
Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Can your vitamin supplements positively affect your blood in five minutes? Protovite can. Protovite is a genuine breakthrough liquid daily nutrition that delivers quality ingredients into your blood in less than five minutes. Scientifically proven and backed by clinical studies, Protovite supports energy, vitality, and optimal health. Watch our two-minute live blood cell video and see for yourself at vniinc.com slash prohealth. That's vniinc.com slash prohealth. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, we continue with Micah Hanks as our guest co-host. And we also have Randall, we have Sue. It's one of those special listener roundtable episodes. Where is Chris O'Brien? Well, he's off doing a special assignment. What special assignment? Well, earning a living as one of the premier drivers for those visiting the Grand Canyon. I will never go watch him do that, you know, and the reason is because I don't like heights. Yeah, me neither. I, but I'd I, love to go on one of his tours. I think I've heard he's fantastic at it. He really knows his stuff. Yeah. You know, any time spent in the field with a uh, Chris O'Brien, although I've never really gone with him on a tour, uh, I've visited with Chris an awful lot. You know, funny thing, by the way, in 2013, I was hanging out with, with Chris at the uh, International UFO Congress. Gene Steinberg, I hear you were there, and yet I don't recall you and I ever meeting. How did we nearly meet, and yet we didn't actually meet? <laughs> you know, I was over at an international UFO conference, and Jacques Vallée was there, the last one. I saw him in the distance. Now, I hadn't met him since the 60s when Jim Mosley and Alan Greenfield and some other people talked to him in a hotel in Chicago. He knows me because he's been on the Paracast a few times. I really shouldn't have been so lazy. I should have just gotten up from the chair and talked to him, but I didn't. Few people were there that I would have liked to have talked to. Chris Rutkowski was there, and I didn't. I spent time with... Red Pill Junkie, which was good. And the reason it was good is because he created these amazing caricatures of me and Chris, which many of you have seen. In fact, I got a letter the other day and I was kind of surprised about it because they said, hey, why don't you offer logo t-shirts featuring these new logos? And I said, we already do. We've been advertising it on the show. And I think either this person is a subscriber to the Powercast Plus and doesn't hear the ads or didn't notice what's on the site. So if you go to store.theparacast.com, we have our swag available. We can get the logo t-shirts featuring the new logo designed by Red Pill Junkie. I guess if we sell enough of them, we'll give them a commission. How's that? That sound fair to you guys? Yeah. He'll be on Easy Street. Right. Sure. They can plan his retirement on that one. Well, I have to plan mine first because I'm past <laughs> retirement age. You know, it's been late. You know, we're all making a million bucks at this. Oh, we are? Where's my check? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm getting CIA payoffs. <laughs> we used to joke about this, folks, you know, whether any particular person 
who participates in the forums at the Paracast at forum.thepowercast.com, whether we have a CIA presence, one or more CIA presences, one or more NSA presences. So none of you, right, Randall or Sue? Randall, you're a Canadian, so I don't know how that'll work. That's my knowledge. I'm I'm neither at liberty to confirm nor deny those rumors. Okay. Well, that's something to say. It, it sounds like, I'll give you a story here that I never told on the show. Back in the late 50s, I was a wee lad. I was a wee lad. Not so wee, I was an overweight kid, but a not so wee lad. I used to listen at night to Long John Ebel. Maybe I was 12, 13 years old. No, more 14 or 15. And my voice it was just changing. I know for some people, they're nine years old and they sound like a 70-year-old man. It took a while for me, maybe, you know, 13, 14, whatever. So I called Long John on, he was taking calls from listeners. He called at the party line. So I called him and I found the trick. Anytime you want to call, you have to learn how to dial quickly with a dial phone, not with a touchtone phone. This is way back before they had those little buttons that you use nowadays. And so I asked him, do you believe in UFOs when I got on the air? And he says, I have no doubt that flying saucers come here from other planets. Of course, no doubt is not expressing one's belief. Very tricky guy. Very tricky guy. He was only interested in UFOs insofar as he had a TV show and a radio show and he got a paycheck. Then he was interested. Other than that, you know, he was, as they say, a difficult personality. Hmm. That's funny. Well, you know, Gene, we always hear about the stories about, oh, this researcher or that researcher, they're just interested in selling books and making money. And to that, I always retort, uh, well, you know, if you really wanted to make money, UFOs aren't the thing to write about. Uh, there are any number of subjects you could choose to write about, any number of controversies or, or political scandals or or celebrity gossip. I mean, any number of things that could be written about if you really are just trying to make money as a writer. So it kind of seems to me that uh, as far as people just trying to cash in on their uh, involvement in the UFO uh, circles and whatnot, uh, that, uh, that that subject or that, that argument rather seems a bit null and void. <laughs> there are much better ways to make money than writing about UFOs, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I so think when money was made about UFOs, when people made money writing books, it was a long time ago, the early books. Some of them made money. Oh, I love the early books. Kehoe and Rupelt and Keel and all the rest. I've got a huge library of all of that stuff. Edwards got all what the about, originals. What about all the early magazines? I guess there's a lot of stuff that was printed at one time and really isn't around anymore except maybe in digital format. They it's- are posting more and more digital versions of the early UFO magazines. Because what I've seen of that really captures the flavor of the era. Well, the problem, of course, when you get digital is they scan them, but they never have the scans lined up in the scanning machine. So you see the pages skewed off-center a little bit. You've noticed that? Oh, yeah. You know, on that subject, guys, um, there's some great old magazines uh, and journals that a lot of people aren't even aware of that have now been digitized, that are well worth reading. The old APRO journals, uh, a lot of those are online. The Zetetic Scholar that was uh, published by Marcelo Chuzzi. Um, 
and and one that is still in print, Gene, you know this, and of course I, I'm a columnist for the magazine and hoping in the coming, truly maybe the next few months, let alone the coming years, but uh, Fate Magazine, which really began in 1948, was one of the premier UFO publications of the day. Um, they're still in print. And Phyllis Galdi is a good friend. Uh, I hear rumors she may be, may be moving to my neck of the woods, and I'm hoping that she and I, we've worked together with Fate for a long time, but I'm hoping to keep that publication running and and uh, you know see that as something that is one of the few continuances, I think, of that era of publishing where these subjects uh, could be addressed in a in a print medium. You know, the other problem with digital, Gene, is that you know these days everybody and his brother and sister have got a blog or you know an online magazine, and there's so much saturation. Back in the old days, these magazines like Argosy, True, Fate, which was devoted solely to the unexplained, um, existing publications like Fortean Times in the UK, um, they were the only way, apart from the newsletters that uh, put individuals like Jim Mosley, you, of course, worked for his, that they put out. Those were the only mediums for being able to get this kind of information. And with the web, although there's much more access, it's almost kind of oversaturated, too. So, you know, I, I do kind of miss the bygone era of buying the magazines on the stands and having to read about these kind of things in print publications. What bothers me here is with the ubiquity, the ease of online publishing, I mean, anybody can sign up for a free blog at WordPress, or at Google, Blogspot. The problem is that the quality just ain't there anymore. Yeah. So they're really not a replacement for the magazines or the zines of bygone years. Because there's no editorial control over what goes in there for the most part. Yeah. Well, that brings up a really interesting point that I ran across oh, earlier this year, actually, about Wikipedia, because I had gone on to do some editing on the UFO and ufology pages, and I was discovering that within hours of me updating them to reflect what, according to the history of the subject matter, an objective look at it, actually says, it would be changed to something that was more skeptically opinionated. And I ran across, in doing this, something called the guerrilla skeptics, Mm. who actually go on to the Wikipedia and look at all the paranormal subjects, and they have a mandate to get on there and change it to their point of view as soon as anybody else goes on there and updates it to reflect something that is whatever in their view pro paranormal or pro ufo or something else they always put this slant into it and some of it is just downright wrong that's the problem with wikipedia and i want to get into it in our next segment about the fact that you have these groups that whenever you change something or add something they go in there and they just redo everything there's no control We're going to control this message. We have Micah Hanks and Sue and Randall. You're in... The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Attention backpackers on a budget. Why spend 80 to $300 to pump clean survival water? Introducing the Viva Water Pump Kit from Viva Outdoor Products. Super easy to use and super lightweight at only 6.5 ounces, the Viva Water Pump Kit provides high flow rate at one ounce per stroke, can be one hand pumped, and is dependable and affordable at only $24.99. Filter not included. Get your Viva Water Pump Kit at viba-odp.com from Viva Outdoor Products. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. She has all these voices there. You know, if you notice this, listen to that. All like these that voices we didn't believe or expect that we had all that talent lurking there. My hat is very large. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was saying about Wikipedia, you've got like this little group, these various cliques that work on there. And once they got a specific meme going, it's almost impossible to change because you can't lock it in. You can't go on there and say, this is the true version before the bandits get in there and do their own thing. You know, Gene, you and I have addressed this, uh, I think a few times in the past on the uh, Paracast. And uh, you know, I'm very glad that, Randall, you brought that up because... I spent a little time back in February out in California, and uh, my day started off like a James Bond mission. I was up before the crack of dawn on a plane, you know, well before sunrise. Uh, I, I get out there 10 a.m. California time, land in the airport, and I'm immediately contacted by the person who had hired me to come out there to speak at this event and said, you're to find Stanton Friedman and get him in the car with you, and, and you know, my contact will be there waiting for you in a, in a large white vehicle, and we're going to drive you up into the mountains. And so it felt like a James Bond film. You know, I, gotta, I, I just you know, dropped down in uh, Los Angeles. I've got to find a famous nuclear physicist and UFO researcher. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> all kidding aside, I found Stan. He and I were catching up and talking. He was talking about, for instance, the, some of the research he did at the National Archives that indicated a security clearance that had been held well into the career of Donald Menzel, one of the popular UFO skeptics of the era, which the era being the 50s and 60s. Even more interesting, there had been discussions via letters between Menzel and the man who would go on to become U.S. President, John F. Kennedy. Uh, and some of these not only discussed uh, this, the interest in astronomy that Kennedy had had, but Menzel also says, you know, in 
so many words to Kennedy that, you know, if you had the proper clearance, I might be able to discuss some of these things with you. So I went online to try and look up information about Donald Menzel. In the talk section on Wikipedia, you'll often find subjects that are being discussed for consideration for inclusion in the primary article, but often aren't. You'll never find anyone in the skeptic camps that are very interested in discussing the security clearances that Menzel had had. Now, again, Stanton uses this as, as justification for the idea that the MJ-12 papers actually were legitimate. Whether or not that's the case, I find that not to be so much the point here. I went to the MJ-12 page, Majestic 12, on Wikipedia. There's very little. It's a very sparse article, and I had remembered at one point there being more. And so one thing about Wikipedia that's interesting is you can go back and look at the revision history of articles. And sadly, when it comes to these sorts of subjects, you'll find a lot more information by doing that because of these so-called guerrilla skeptics you're talking about. There was so much good information at one time on that page, and much of it was skeptical data about MJ-12, arguments against MJ-12. You'd think that this would be the kind of thing that skeptics would want, but not even that is good enough. They have to trim away all of that data as though they don't want the discussion to be had in the first place. It's got to be the short little sparse article. Oh, no, it's Wikipedia. We don't want woo-woo-kipedia. So they trim away all of this discussion, even some of the good skeptical data. And I find that atrocious. Why is it that not only can we not espouse skepticism and belief, we can't even have a, a, a full discussion? There is an issue here, and that is definitely something that's concerning. And I would say, well, and actually there are various sites that do just what I'm about to say. Forums.theparacast.com is one, but you could go start your own site. But again, the problem is, is that if we've already got an existing site with the kind of broad appeal and the reach of Wikipedia, why is it that certain subjects, again, seem to not only be controlled and moderated to the point of extreme bias, but that even relevant uh, factual skeptical data has to be omitted as well? That just seems strange to me. Well, I think part of the problem with Wikipedia is there's really no powerful governing body to edit this. It's all open source. Anybody can contribute stuff to it. There are basic minimum standards to verify, at least with a reference of some sort, what you post there. But there are no standards to be met. There's no governing body to set standards on accuracy. So anything can be there. We all use Wikipedia to look up stuff. But as a fact of the matter is, it doesn't mean you're getting much that's accurate. Well, I will say this, Gene. The Wikipedia Foundation, I get their emails. And I donate periodically to Wikipedia because I do appreciate the information that they present and the service they provide. And I do that despite the fact that I happen to know that among the Wikipedia Foundation there, Jimmy Wales and many others have very openly expressed their attitudes about what they deem woo-woo subjects. They typically are, are, are most concerned about things like you know, holistic medicine and these kinds of issues. But unfortunately, we see that same sort of biased attitude toward, again, even skeptical discussion of UFOs. Otherwise, this information wouldn't be trimmed and edited out of what could otherwise be very long, uh, comprehensive articles. If, if we're trying to get information, the summation of human knowledge on this website, why do those subjects seem to be unfit for having a lengthy discussion while others, again, have pages that trail on forever? We want data, don't we? Well, let's put the data out there. Let's not dumb down the conversation and trim away all uh, as though to edit those conversations out almost entirely. And that does seem to be what Wikipedia does at times. Oh, definitely. And they do tolerate this guerrilla skeptics involvement in the Wikipedia, for sure. They allow it to take place without any kind of uh, criticism. I know that at one point, something that I had put in had been taken out by a moderator, and I asked why. I had had references and so on to 
books that had with the information and just like I was supposed to, but because I'd put in my own profile that I was interested in UFOs, they deemed it to be uh, biased. Okay, so does that mean that, okay, I'm a ufologist and I write about ufology and therefore I'm biased? Well, does that mean that a geologist who writes about geology is biased? Uh, so why can't the people who have the knowledge in the field contribute without being perceived as biased? And me, yet, oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and yet people who want to criticize it are deemed as not having a bias. There seems to be a double standard there. Randall, if I may, I'll give one more brief example that's similar to what you just described. Uh, with my Brown Mountain Lights research, I was very interested in looking at uh, what information was not only being discussed in the talk page, because rather than the primary article, I'll again drive home the point that sometimes you'll find better leads in the talk page and in the revision history where information has been edited out. I found on one occasion that there was an experiment, and I happen to know this experiment took place because I know one of the individuals from Oak Ridge Laboratories who had been involved, but uh, there had been an experiment done with a, a extremely high candle power uh, light, and they were trying to test the refra uh, refraction theory at Brown Mountain, and they had managed to cause the appearance of large red illumination over the ridge by shining a large uh, lamp uh, in that direction. Anyway, long story short, one of the editors chose to remove that content from the primary article and said, I dread having to do this because I actually talked with one of the researchers who explained this experiment to me years ago, and I happen to know that it did occur, but since I can't find any reliable source, I won't include it. The reliable source that had been used previously and that was subsequently removed was uh, one of the Science Frontiers links, which, of course, had been one of the websites that had presented uh, William R. Corliss's data over the years. This was considered unfit for inclusion as a link for source material on Wikipedia, despite the fact that the editor knew that the experiment in question had taken place. He'd met one of the experimenters. That's ridiculous is what yeah. that is. It's absurd. That is as much a bias as you being a UFO researcher writing about UFOs. In your discussion about geologists writing about geology, do we not want geologists to write about the subject they understand the best for fear of bias leaking into a scientific article on Wikipedia? Sometimes knowledge is knowledge. And even if it's a position you don't agree with, we need to be in a position where we allow people who possess certain knowledge to discuss those subjects. Well said. That's really well, the bottom line. To play devil's advocate, though, I think ufology does have a problem where there isn't really a literature that you can go into and say, I want to see all the articles on Brown Mountain Lights from 1962 onward, or I want to see everything that people have written on this topic so that I can compare the different interpretations that have been put forth. There's no good way that I'm aware of to kind of build on a foundation of knowledge and continually refine it. And if there is, I'd like to know about it. Well, that's a fair comment. Absolutely. That's what I try to do with my own website. And hence why I started the USI website, because nobody can mess with it. I can go in, I can find the uh, best available evidence and references for the articles that are written there. And they're all reviewed and if I see anything that's wrong with them or they're not substantiated well enough, then uh, I say so. And some people have accused me of being too critical, uh, even a debunker. Huh. <laughs> that's a good breaking point, guys. We've got Randall. We've got Sue. We've got guest co-host Micah Hanks. You're in the Paracast. The award-winning Graphic Converter 10, the universal genius for photo editing apps on your Mac, Join over one and a half million loyal users for the Swiss Army Knife app. 
It gives you all the features that you expect. And most important, it's easy to use. You can get it for just $39.95 from www.lemkesoft.com. That's www.lemkesoft.com. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break, and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs, causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507-800-478-1507-800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Do you know that good digestion is your body's first line of defense? Millions of Americans suffer from poor digestion. It shows up in the form of heartburn, acid reflux, GERD, irritable bowel syndrome, indigestion, constipation, diarrhea, and many other symptoms. Healthy digestion relies on armies of friendly bacteria. These good bugs keep bad bugs in check. Probimune, a new, uniquely developed probiotic, is scientifically proven to get to your gut and deliver the benefits of improved digestion. Probimune is an immune system booster and a digestive health enhancer. It's simple to use, and most importantly, you will feel Probimune working, soothing, and relaxing the gut. Get yours today by visiting younghealth.com or call 800-396-9024. Again, that's 800-396-9024. Use coupon code DIGEST to receive 15% off your first order. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. 
That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I think sometimes people think we're saying the parrot cast. Wait, we're not saying the parrot cast? Oh, well, now you tell me. Someone named Polly asked for a cracker. <laughs> I think that's where it all started. All about parrot psychology. <laughs> I like it. You see how that came to a dead stop? Yeah. Anyway, you were telling us, Randall, how you try to vet the stuff that's on your site. And we hope all of the people who do have sites about UFOs try to make an effort. Sometimes, of course, what they do is they're just happy to get traffic. And that's actually, another I problem. I think he was actually telling us he was a debunker, or at least has been accused of being one. Right, well, that's the point, too. Yeah, well, the point is here that you're trying to present a specific presentation on your site, and well, you're like trying Su- to be fair about everything. Yeah, like Sue says, you need to look at both sides of the issue. You need to do some cross-referencing. And before I write anything, that's what I do. And so, well, for example, there's the Sitgraves National Forest incident known as, well, the Travis Walton incident. And I've met many, many people who are completely convinced that that's a true story. And yet, when you get looking into the, the actual background history, as much as you might not like someone like uh, Philip Class, he did dig up some information on the backgrounds of Walton and made some pretty good points as to, well, really, why should we believe this person's story? And I don't want to go into it in detail. Randall, why don't we cover some of it? We had Travis Walton on the Paracast months and months ago, one time only. So looking at both sides here, those who favor him and the skeptical point of view, you sound like you have concerns about him. What are they? I think anyone should have concerns. And let's just briefly say that the word debunk, there's nothing really wrong with that. If you can debunk something legitimately, you should. If there is a truth to be told and a truth to be found, we should find it and it should be put out there. Debunkers have uncovered serious credibility flaws in Walton and his story. He did pass two polygraph tests, but it was discovered that there was a previous test from which the polygraph examiner concluded that Walton was attempting to perpetrate a hoax. You don't hear about that. It was discovered that the questions used in the later test had to be approved by Walton himself before the test could be administered. You don't hear about that. That's actually standard lie detector protocol, though, to agree on the questions. But sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. Please continue. I'm not a polygraph expert, but I have had a polygraph myself, actually, and that was not my experience with it, but maybe it might depend on what location or who's doing the tests. True, yeah. He was on a television show with the, the truth, something about truth or consequences type of thing where he was took a polygraph and failed it. QFOS, Ground Saucer Watch, in cooperation with them, concluded that there was no corroborating evidence that Walton had boarded a UFO. It, and then it gets into other issues about... He tried to gain media exposure, but was turned down by the radio station. He'd actually been caught, pled guilty, forging payroll checks. And this trying is Walton? To cash this is Walton, yes. Okay, sure. Okay, so, I mean, he, this is actually something that you can look up and you can find factually. So, yeah, it was well, a moment of truth in which he, he was asked on whether or not he was on a 
a UFO? And he said, yes. And it was scored false. But And then they say, well, there was no money involved, but he and his crew stood to gain up to $100,000 for submitting their story to National Enquirer. And, I mean, this just sort of kind of goes on and on and on. I mean, if somebody came up to you, you know, after stealing your, your checkbook and attempting to cash checks and, and then said, well, hey, I saw a UFO, would you give me the, uh, you know, can you please give me the prize for it? Or how many people are going to be inclined to believe it? Now, this could be a case of maybe, you know, boy cried wolf type of thing or just, you know, unreliable people can still have genuine experiences, but it really does cast a pall of unreliability on the story that a lot of people aren't aware of. Now, my understanding was that Walton had taken more than one lie detector test and the results varied. But even then, a lie detector is not 100% accurate or even close. On the other hand, if you see evidence of possible deception, that has to be an area of concern. Oh, definitely. And uh, you know, when you look at it, what it just boils down to is his credibility. Well, here no you have evidence. to take him at faith because he may have disappeared for several days, but nobody knows what he did during that period. And by saying, I don't remember, that kind of closes down the discussion. Yeah, oh, I think absolutely. that's the... The problem here is that there's so much material to go through, and I, when I took a look, I read the book Walton wrote, and I listened to him on a bunch of interviews, and I kind of looked at everything, and I really didn't find him incredible. Um, and I had taken some courses in lie detector and interrogation stuff, so that stuff caught my attention especially. Um, but, I, you know, I can see how people would come to different conclusions about this, given the nature of what he said happened. But I think for people who aren't into UFOs, they're not going to want to take the time to sift through all this stuff. And that might be why you see a lot of people just kind of writing off UFOs altogether, because there's massive amounts of materials and counterclaims and competing claims to go through, even to come to the conclusion that you just don't know what happened. Yeah, that's true. That's why I tried to keep the articles on the site fairly short and have sifted through all of that in the first place to sort of show, okay, well, there's this, and then there's that, and then there's this, and then there's that. And when you're looking at the sort of franchise that Walton has on the fire in the sky thing and the his presence out there in the UFO community and the number of people who see that and not the other side of it, then you've got a large group of people who are believers compared to just a few who bother to dig into it and see the other side of it. So that's why I've been accused of being a debunker. I'm I'm not making a judgment call. I don't know. Maybe this did happen to him. Maybe it didn't. But I think people should know about the other side of things definitely before they they make up their mind about what they believe. I think that, by the way, Randall, that, that should be the case with virtually anything. Um, I, I often call myself a skeptic. And uh, many people say, well, Mikey, you know, you're not a skeptic in the sense of, like, modern skepticism. And proudly, I will retort that you, people who make that assertion are correct. Modern skeptics, and again, Marcelo Trucci had, and I want to come back around to Travis here in a moment because I, I want to weigh in on that for just a moment as well. But, but I will say that there have been many people over the years who have been skeptical but who feel that there are many in the modern skeptic movement that are, rather than being skeptical, are essentially playing to their predispositions toward belief in disbelief or you know, playing off of their own biased perspective that, well, if all 
you know, if 99% of all UFOs can be explained, then why not 100%? Uh, Trudzi had left uh, PSYCOP uh, just after its founding. He was one of the early members, and he left very shortly thereafter because he said that it was clear to me that rather than having a honest, skeptical debate, many uh, who were on, and class being, I think, one of the people he was discussing, many had already made up their minds what they believed and were not following through in an unbiased way. They were trying to fulfill their expectations based on their bias. Now, let's break. Sure. We'll continue with that with Micah Hanks and Sue and Randall. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury Help Desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention prescription antibiotic drug users. Have you or a loved one suffered an aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm after taking the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox? These popular antibiotic drugs have been prescribed more than 80 million times since 2004, and medical studies show an increased risk of the following injuries. Aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, and abdominal aortic aneurysm. If you or a loved one used the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox and suffered from aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. Did you know that a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-952-2797. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs, and it eliminates the daily hassle of washing your system by hand. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer, only available by calling 1-800-952-2797. That's 1-800-952-2797. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? 
Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to The Paracast. You were saying co-host Micah Hanks. I was just kind of outlining again that, as Randall had said in the last segment, we all need to be skeptical about all things. And, and again, I think that you can be skeptical without being predisposed toward debunking every extraordinary claim. Uh, I had cited Marcelo Truzzi as being an individual who, throughout his life, had said, well, sometimes, and he had initially wanted this for the Psychop Journal, which I guess really I kind of became skeptical inquirer. He said he wanted there to be a journal that could at least look at some claims as being extraordinary, but when there wasn't enough evidence to dismiss them outright, that we could leave open the possibility that there was a verifiable phenomenon. Nonetheless, and he found that many of his fellow Psychop members were unwilling to bend on that, and that all claims had to take a dismissive uh, skeptical attitude. I do think that that highlights too much skeptic bias among modern skeptics. And so in terms of being truly skeptical, as I like to say that I am, I try to ask hard questions. I'm seeing a lot of that from Randall and Sue, too, that they're willing to ask hard questions about a phenomena, whether it be UFOs or whatever else, that we can also be willing to accept there may be enough to discuss apart from those instances that we have to be doubtful about. Now, coming back to Travis Walton for a second, the one time I was compared to Philip J. Class was uh, when I wrote an article years ago for UFO Magazine talking about similarities between the description of the craft that Walton had seen and uh, various plasma formations akin to ball lightning. It seems obvious to me now why I would have written that uh, because of my long-held interest in the Brown Mountain Lights. Unfortunately, Philip Class had also proposed that many UFOs could be explained uh, through various plasmas, and hence people had said, you know, you're just as bad as Philip J. Class. How dare you cast any doubt on Travis Walton? Well, I've got to say, I've met Travis on numerous occasions. I've uh, had dinner with him. Uh, We've sat down and had coffee together. Um, very seldom when we're together do we talk about UFOs. Interestingly, we are usually talking about other things. And I actually like him a lot. I have had no reason to particularly doubt that he had had some experience. And that is, by the way, with full knowledge of class and others' investigations and the the various uh, red flags that have been raised. Um, you know, one thing I'll point out, for instance, is that uh, Travis had apparently had a, a pact with his brother. That, uh, that if they ever had an opportunity to see a UFO, they'd get as close to it as possible. And some have l- looked at that as being much like they looked at the famous disappearance of Frederick Valentich as being, well, he already had an interest in UFOs prior to this alleged experience. That, to me, doesn't necessarily mean that nothing actually happened. So, again, I'm not trying to necessarily bolster Travis's claims. What I do know is that there are some interesting points about his experiences that he says have happened to him. Uh, there are some questions that have been raised by class and others over the years. 
I think it's fair to ask those questions, but by the same token, knowing Travis, I find him to be uh, you know, an interesting person. I find him to be a person who seems credible. I've never gotten the impression that he was just in this just trying to make money. But yeah, he's written a book, and he tries to sell books. And again, I'd come back to that same ar- ar- uh, argument. Are there better ways that someone could you know, make a career selling books? Are there better things someone could write about and promote if they really were just in this trying to make money? So maybe that could be said about Travis as well. Who knows? I like him. I, I find him to be a nice person. And I nonetheless will say that it's fair to ask hard questions about any UFO claim. Uh, and that's not an attack against him any more than it is an endorsement. It's just that it is fair to ask those kind of questions. And if we're really going to be honest as researchers, those kind of questions have to be asked. That said, I do think that there are certain researchers these days that based on their pet theories about UFOs or based on their relationships with certain individuals in the community, they become so so beholden to upholding a person or a cause that they become almost evangelical about their involvement. And I think that that's kind of a problem because when you become evangelical and you have to fight for a cause and you have to maintain your position and hold your ground, even if there appears to be evidence to the contrary that surfaces much later, uh, that I think is in its own way just as dangerous as the kind of extreme bias that we find among the quote unquote guerrilla skeptics today. So we have to be skeptical. We have to be able to have a fair and very balanced argument. And we also have to, or discussion, we have to also be able to change our views in lieu of new evidence. Here, here. There, there. Where, where? Who, who? Oh, you're talking about me again. Oh. <laughs> I'll just tell you very briefly, I'm on the fence about Travis Walton. He seemed like a nice enough guy. He seemed sincere enough, but he's been telling the story for decades. So after you've rehearsed the story for decades, you can sound quite sincere. But it also stands alone by being someone who just disappears somewhere and comes back and says, well, I guess I was aboard a UFO. Right. And well, I mean, there have been some people who say they even know where he was during that time period and it wasn't on a UFO. And of course, you can say, well, you know, he didn't stand to make much money at it, but the Inquirer did pay them all $5,000 at the time and probably had them sign some piece of paper declaring it was true. And Fire in the Sky did go on to gross $19 million, nearly $20 million. And it's, they released it on VHS and now it's being released again on DVD and he's talking about yet another new movie, a remake. The book itself has been re-released and he's still out doing conferences and stuff where he gets paid. So, I mean, sure, maybe he hasn't made millions at it, but over a number of years, it's it's turned out to be a pretty good little franchise. Well, certainly he was a total unknown before this happened. So he writes a book, he gets public appearances, paid lectures. He also has been running a UFO conference. Now, right. that is not necessarily a big money maker, but look, it's giving somebody who otherwise would just be another guy his yeah. not 15 minutes of fame, maybe 30 or 45 minutes. Well, we're looking at 40 years something now. <laughs> right. And I have to think here over 40 years. Yeah. I can tell you how many copies of that book he sold, but it could be a fairly steady seller. I don't know. But it provides something for him other than his normal stuff, which would make him a pretty unknown person. Sure. And, uh, you know, all the best con men are likable. So, I mean, sure, he might be a 
perfectly likable guy. And I don't think he should necessarily be held accountable to his personality today for something he did a long time ago back in the mid-70s. You know, I, I don't like to bring that part of it up, but you have to look at this in terms of the climate of the times and what happened at the time, because that's where it all began. You can't say, well, that never happened because he's a nice guy now. Uh, the whole thing is one long chain of events that really has a questionable foundation in my mind, and yet still could be true. I mean, you know, uh, it could have been a bunch of guys in a chain gang and it could still be have been a real UFO. I mean, we don't we don't know. That's it could have been a UFO. It could have been something related to what he claims he experienced and then he embellished it over the years or embellished it at the time to to give maybe he hoped more credibility to what happened. If we're really lucky, maybe someone will turn up a couple of slides and then we'll know for sure. Never happened, yes. So there's always a slide in an attic. That's the solution right there. Let's look at every attic in the world and see if there are slides there, especially those showing visits to museums. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I mean, uh, okay, let me just put this out there, too. As far as photos that we hope will eventually turn up, you know, one one of the issues I have is that uh, there have been a few people over the years also who have said that they do have some pretty good evidence of UFOs, but they don't seem forthcoming with that evidence. Ray Stanford has said for years that he's got a photograph of whatever apparently showed up down there that Lonnie Zamora saw, uh, the famous um, Lonnie Zamora incident or the Socorro, right, Socorro UFO, I guess. is uh, You know, again, all these incidents have different names, but we're talking about the Lonnie, Lonnie Zamora encounter. But, you know, it it troubles me when there are people who saying I'm not attacking Ray either. I'm just saying if we've got good data, if we've got any kind of evidence, photographic or otherwise, you know, and, and it's purportedly known to exist, why is that kept from public view? I do sort of hope that maybe at some point that a slide will turn up a video, a piece of metallic debris or something that will at least lend some sort of physical evidence. Uh, I've been presented with purported physical evidence like this uh, in the past. Uh, one notable experience uh, involving a metallic object that uh, I don't think uh, really is best <laughs> discussed as being representative of any kind of UFO slag or anything like that. George Wingfield, a former guest on this program, the British researcher friend of mine, and uh, he certainly has expressed skeptical views about this particular artifact. And there are a lot of you know things like that over the years that have been touted as possible evidence of a UFO. Let's break it there and we'll continue. One more segment with Micah Hanks and Ufology. Anna Sue, you're in The Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. 
you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Paid non attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention, Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24 7. Call 800 261 That's 800 261 this is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. And this could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait you can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So you were telling us about possible physical evidence, Micah Hanks. Yeah. Tell us more. I'm really asking, is there good evidence. You know, again, we hear stories about things. Now, I have a few friends who have visited with Ray Stanford and who have said that they've seen a photo that uh, purports to show an object uh, similar to that which Lonnie Zamora described seeing. This is one of the classic UFO incidents, of course. This was one that J. Allen Hynek had also investigated during his time with Blue Book. 
remains, I think, one of the more fascinating UFO encounters uh, of all time. And I know that Ray Stanford feels at times that he has been treated badly by other researchers and is therefore resist uh, or to the idea of releasing this photo that he says he has. Uh, so I don't doubt that he has it, but I am troubled by the idea that there are all these instances where there is allegedly debris or slag or photos or anything that might offer some credible, tangible evidence of a UFO. And then you got guys like David Marler today, who I've spoken with, and he says, Micah, these days a photo isn't good enough. I mean, no photo in this age of digital manipulation will offer good proof of a UFO. Question, really, if that's true, and I can't say that I disagree with him, I mean, how can we find an avenue for producing good evidence of a UFO? What will it take to bring physical proof into the equation here? What, or any kind of good evidence for that matter, what do we have to have in this day and age to be able to prove to people, hey, there is some sort of tangibility to this phenomenon? Well, that hinges, like Ruppelt said, it hinges on the word proof. What is proof? And when asked that, a lot of people sort of glaze over. They become a little confused. But really, it's quite simple. Proof is simply evidence that's sufficient to justify the belief in a claim. Now, some people are going to find some evidence enough, and other people are going to require more evidence, and other people are going to have very, very strict scientific standards. Proof for one person isn't the same as proof for another person. So, at some point, we have to ask, well, what's reasonable? If 100,000 people say that they've had this experience, then is that reasonable enough to say that something is going on? Are we being visited by some sort of alien craft. And I think it is. I don't think we need hard material physical evidence to be confident that we're being visited by alien craft. Beyond that, I don't know where they're coming from, like we've talked about before, but I think it's pretty much unreasonable to say it's not happening. I would agree. And Randall, quickly to that point, I'll also say, I often cite John Napier, who is a primatologist with the Smithsonian, wrote a great book about Bigfoot back in the 1970s. I cite him in this discussion, uh, unrelated though that subject of cryptozoology may seem, because as a researcher, he was largely considered and recognized as, and his writings show this, he was very skeptical of the subject he wrote about. Nonetheless, he also said, if we are to discuss something like Bigfoot, which exists apart from consensus opinions in modern science, we have to, from time to time, step into what he called the goblin universe, and we have to be willing to discuss it on those terms. And so, Again, I think to discuss a subject like UFOs, for instance, is not, nor it should be misconstrued as being, a fantastic belief in some fantastic possibility for which there's no evidence. I think that we sometimes have to state very clearly that, as you've pointed out, Randall, and this mirrors things that Sue has said over the course of the conversation, too, we really sometimes need to recognize that despite there being that lack of proof that would you know satisfy a physicist, a chemist, something along those lines, that there is enough anecdotal data to substantiate a phenomena does seem to exist, and there's observational data that should be considered. And now we can step into that realm, I call it the goblin universe if you want, but let's say we have to deal with this subject sometimes on its own terms, which is pre-scientific, sort of. And perhaps the furtherance of our knowledge in that realm will allow for, at some point, a broader scientific discussion to be had. So yes, I think that it does outline that there are different kinds of evidence and different things that mean different things to different people from different ideological and intellectual perspectives. I like to say that I apply the principles of critical thinking to the theory and to the phenomena itself. So there's the scientific method, and then there's critical thinking. And both are academically acceptable forms of analyzing a problem. Both can yield reasonable conclusions about what may or may not be taking place. When we talk about anecdotal evidence, 
it's not totally unscientific. The stimulus response, for example, in terms of when we see something, how our eye responds is well known. It's how we're able to make prescriptions for glasses and so on. Chances are, if someone sees something, there is some external phenomenon that has caused light to enter a person's eye and show up as an image on the back and be translated into image within our consciousness. That's well understood for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to see these things and describe them and to think that it's all simply hallucinations is just not reasonable. So it's not like there's no science involved. There really is science involved. Human beings are fantastic recorders of information and perceivers of the world around us. Only recently have cameras and such been able to adapt to the lighting conditions in a dynamic fashion to be able to observe things that are moving quickly through dim and light areas and determine what they are with an intelligence. For that matter, there isn't even anything that's intelligent or as intelligent as we are to be able to do that that's hooked up to any kind of sensing mechanism. It's really a mistake, in my view, to think that people's personal experiences should be written off as unreliable enough to discount the entire phenomena. Well, the issue you can argue about here is, yes, they see something. What did they see? And is what they see representative of what the phenomenon is? And that's where we get into all these ephemeral aspects and paranormal aspects. That's a physical aircraft capable of feats of maneuverability that appear to exceed what we can do. Well, you could say, well, some advanced civilization did that. It may not be a secret test aircraft here, although I suspect that was a possible source of a lot of UFOs over the years, then this is where the expectation or belief in ET comes from. At the other side of the coin, well, if we're not seeing what's there, we're only seeing our interpretation of what's there because there are aspects that just are too alien to us or just beyond our understanding. I don't know. I wouldn't pretend to know. So if we presume to want to discuss this on the show, we could start another episode. Or maybe you continue this and after the Paracast, we can see. This has been a fun session with Micah Hanks and Ufology and Sue. And it's something that we put together on fairly short notice. It's nice to see how you guys just are set loose in the world and you produce magic. It was a fun episode indeed. Oh, it was great. Randall, would you tell our listeners about your organization and how they can participate? Well, thanks a lot for the opportunity to be here, Gene, again. If anyone is interested in participating or just supporting the cause, it's free membership, no dues, lifetime, forever. There's no commitment or work required if you're not interested, but any volunteering would be welcome. Just go to ufopages.com and you can check out the website there. You'll need a full-featured computer. It doesn't work very well on on browsers that are on phones and such, but on a full-featured computer. It's a great website, so check it out. Sue, I presume you have nothing to sell and no site. No, I'm just floating around there in the, on the cloud somewhere. Oh, that's more fun. She's got wings, by the way. <laughs> She's Hawk Girl or something, or Hawk Woman, I forget the character. Micah Hanks, tell us briefly how they can get in touch with the things you do. Absolutely. Of course, there's always my website, micahanks.com. Some podcast listeners have expressed confusion because they don't find the shows there. That's because the Graylian Report is my podcast, which is at Graylian, G-R-A-L-I-E-N, report.com. You can find that on iTunes as well as the other show I do, Middle Theory, 
which is at middletheory.com. My email, you may reach out to me at any time, info at my name, info at micahanks.com. And that goes for you, Sue, and for you, Randall, too. I hope to hear from you guys. Let's stay in touch. Randall, I want to learn more about your organization and maybe help out. Let's continue here and tell you all that we can be found on Twitter. Look for The Paracast. The Paracast is on Twitter. There are two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. One's a group, one's a community, and the difference is obvious to some people. Not to me, but we'll keep it as it is. We also have a second radio show called After the Paracast, which is the featured presentation of the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com, P lus.theparacast.com. We offer a commercial-free version of this show, a limited number of show transcripts. We've added some classic episodes and more are coming. We expect to have more videos from Chris O'Brien in the very near future. Lots of really good stuff. Plus.theparacast.com. A low subscription rate to sign up and become a member. I'm going to say this all in sequence and then Micah Hanks Sue, Ufology, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Gene. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.